At least I get to see her on the anniversary of her death, even if she is being chased by a psycho. Hello and welcome back to Scream 101 Podcast. I'm Brennan Klein. And I'm Shannon Chalakian. And today we're here to talk about The Final Girls, which is our first actually current film that we're reviewing. Yeah, which is really exciting. And it's especially exciting considering that it is finals week for myself and uh, I am in in a heightened level of delusion. You're the finals girl. I am. This week, (laughs) definitely. This week and next week. Finals girl forever. All right. So let's jump right on into our 10 words or less reviews. Would you like me to start? Because as usual, I have triple the amount that you do. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. I watch a lot of stuff. Good. All right. Krampus. Charming Christmas horror needed a couple more script drafts. Uh, Scream Queen season one. Ryan Murphy might be schizophrenic. Character traits change every episode. And Cabin Fever. Eli Roth is that frat guy you avoid at parties. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. Uh, I have uh, Jessica Jones season one because I can't remember what else I, I I watched. Again, Finals Deliria. What a wonderful way to show a victim's true struggle. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Yeah, I think that's it for the intro we don't have a guest this week we don't have anything super special to talk about so why don't we just bump right on into the discussion let's do it all right and here is the plot as read from the google (laughs) max recently orphaned goes to see a screening of a b horror movie that her mother made 20 years earlier when max and her friends find themselves in the world of the film itself they must apply their knowledge of horror tropes to survive and as always, there will be spoilers. We did this right for the first time, I think. Wow. And we write on a uh, five-point Likert scale. Um, scariness out of screams, funniness or campiness out of perms, gore out of severed limbs, and quality out of unlucky stars. I think I'll start just because I'm talking. Sorry. Um, well, I just wanted to say really quick that this is kind of just like the next level of scream. It's not like, oh, they're aware they're in a movie. It's they're literally in a movie. It's the only next step that could have been taken in that postmodern 90s craze. And for scariness, I gave it a one out of five screams because it's a horror comedy and it doesn't really embrace the horror elements as much. It's more like the trappings of the slasher genre, but not the actual scariness. But also most slashers aren't scary anyway. So I would yeah. have given, I gave Mad Men a one, I think. Like, that's how it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I rated it the same. Scariness was, was a one. There was some really, I mean, the beauty of this movie is really how they did it because it was so mm-hmm. seamless. And uh, um, there were some interesting parts that like weren't scary, but they were new and they were exciting. You know, um, there was one part, it was a jumpy part where a machete comes out of off screen oh, and yeah. just gets embedded in a guy's side, you know, Duncan's side. And so that wasn't scary, but it was definitely like, what? What just happened? You know? And uh, there were other parts like that, which was really nice, like like the goo coming from the ceiling. Oh, you know? that was cool. That was really cool. Um, and that part is when they're going into a flashback. So this black and white stuff starts dripping from the ceiling around them. And then yeah. they go into the black and white 50s flashback. It's really cool. Yeah, which is, again, is really cool. And, and the entire thing is a comedy, um, but it's a very dramatic. It's a, it's a dramedy. It's a very <laughs> dramatic comedy. Uh, so you aren't led to be scared you're led to know what's going on so in this kind of like greek theater sort of way you can appreciate like just how awesome this movie is so scariness one yeah uh campiness what did you rate for campiness all right um campiness with horror comedies Mm -hmm. we use it for funniness or campiness or whatever i gave it a four out of five perms um because i uh, this movie's really funny like that's just the truth Mm -hmm. i don't know how else to go about it um, well, because there's there's two reasons that it's funny, because it's a fish out of water comedy, mm-hmm. which is you know give or take. Like some people love it, some people hate it. I'm on the side of I really really like fish out of water comedies, right. and this version has two layers because the characters that um, well Max is the name of Taisa Farmiga's character, who's mm-hmm. the real life girl who goes into the film that her um, deceased mother starred in in the 80s, right. and so her and her friends are actually real, and they're encountering her mother's character. And that lady's friends. So that group of people, they don't understand that they're in a movie. Right. And they don't understand that it's not the 80s anymore. 
So that's two different sets of fish out of water scenarios and they both meld and work really perfectly. Yeah, I definitely think that um, this movie could have been a total flop. You know, it could have been a fish out of water flop because there were so many there's so many aspects of the film that were like really weaved, you know, in really well. Um, like, for example, there's this one part where the this character, Tina, who we're, I'm sure we're going to talk about Tina at one point. But this character, Tina, is is trying to put this cassette in the stereo. Oh, yeah. And it's not a cassette at all. It's an iPhone with a cassette case on it. Yeah, because like everybody's all retro now and that's exactly yeah. what this film is about exactly and so and so in that sense you're kind of melding the whole like cluelessness of the 80s characters with the modern identity of the current characters and it was just like this really beautiful like very silly moment where you're like wow this is like they're really explaining this well um, they're, they're thinking about this exactly it's very you know it's great yeah, so for campiness and funniest, I rated it a five. And I, the way that I was thinking about this rating, I actually segmented it. So if we're considering Camp Bloodbath to be <laughs> an actual movie, then it would be a pretty campy movie. Like their their vernacular is very tubular. groovy, tubular, um, bogus. And <laughs> uh, and on the other hand, you know the the characters in the real movie that we're seeing the final girls are all very funny like tina's super funny taisa formiga does a good job Aaliyah shaw cat is just being herself but in a movie which yeah she's is great always great etc so it's great yeah i don't know i rated it a five out of five out of five i loved it so, yay, yay. <laughs> and for gore again we're, we're just kind of bouncing back and forth with our scores because yeah. i have to give this movie a one out of five on gore as well yeah because it's pg-13 there's really there, there's nothing to speak about there's no blood there's some implied gore that's fun but it's it's that's not what it's about it's not a gory film right and i i really like that it is pg-13 yes in, in a great way i voted the same one out of five for severed limbs which is incredibly low considering how much i like the film uh-huh. but the movie itself does this really artistic thing without having to overexploit itself, which is really great, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you don't see there's nothing there's nothing even relatively gory about this movie. There is a bit of a blood splatter on Aaliyah Shawkat's oh, yeah. face, right. but you don't see the blood coming from anything. You know, you just see it splatter onto her face, and uh, they do take off the head at the end, which is uh, of um, Billy Murphy. They take his head off at the end, which is good, but it's not the same sort of like um, drama that it had in Friday the Thirteenth. Because it's not up close and personal. You actually see the head, like, you know, flying through the Uh air, uh, etc. And at that point, the movie kind of had switched into, like, an action movie instead of keeping with the horror kind of tone. So, yeah, gore, one out of five. Yeah, absolutely. And now we get into quality where we have to try to synthesize all of these diverse scores. Right. Well, Well, I gave it a four out of five on Lucky Stars because I really, really love this film. Mm -hmm. Um, I tweeted on the Twitter um, that if Mad Max hadn't come out this year, it would be my number one film of the year. Mm -hmm. Like I, it really spoke to me. It's, um, what really works about this film is it's sentimentality. Yeah. Because it's about a girl who lost her mother and now she's suddenly plunged into this world where her, there's someone who looks like her mother. It's the character that her mother is playing and she needs to deal with that. Like the fact that her mother is 20 years younger and running around with her mm-hmm. and try to figure out what that means and if she can save her again. Yeah. And this is a little bit more spoilery, spoilery mm-hmm. in this part. So if you really, really haven't seen it, first of all, just watch it. Just go yeah. right now. Um, it's on Redbox right now. It's less than $2. Watch it or I'll stab you with a machete. Um, but also spoilers for Big Hero 6 a little bit. This okay. is my theory about The Final Girls is that The Final Girls and Big Hero 6 are the same movie. Have you seen Big Hero 6? Yeah. Okay. We'll see what happens. Is There's a young character who has lost someone very important to them because Hiro lost um, Tadashi, his older brother. Right. And Max, Taisa Formiga, lost her mother, Malin Ackerman. Okay. And then somehow they encounter a surrogate for that loss. So um, Hiro finds Baymax, who was the creation of his brother. And then Max finds Nancy, who's her mother's character. Okay. And then through the loss of that surrogate, they need to learn to get over the grief of their actual loss. Okay. Right? That makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. They're the same movie. I feel like the endings are a little different. Yeah, well, because Disney. Well, yeah, obviously. But but also, 
I think that the final girls tied it up in the in this way where she was literally speaking to her mother and able to say yes. exactly what she needed to say. So, All right, if you yeah, want to get semantic about it, whatever. whatever. But you're okay. right; it is it is very similar, and I like that there are so many movies now that are about grief. You know, like absolutely that's so important, and people don't talk about it. And so this, and we also talked about the Babadook mm-hmm. earlier. Um, you know, also go see if you want to be stressed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so grief is is really prevalent, and I'm glad that that this movie is there to handle it and handle it with humor. Yeah, with. Just the humor and the heart of this movie combine in a way that's almost physically impossible. Like yeah. we were talking about the way they were weaving those two different fish out of water stories together. Yeah. They're also weaving this really funny comedy with this really sad underpinning. Yeah. Um, oh, and true story. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two writers for this movie. And um, one of them is named MA14 and he's very active on Twitter and he's cool and he mm-hmm. likes all of our tweets. Oh. And um, the other one is Joshua John Miller. Um, his father was Jason Miller, who played Father Karras in The Exorcist. Okay. So this guy grew up having to watch his father die on film over and over and over again. So this is like a kind of based on a real story that he had. Right. And just kind of figuring out how to deal with that weirdness of Aww. a horror actor parent. That's so cute, though. That's why, okay, so this movie ends, and I am upset <laughs> because it, the movie was beautiful, and it was so poignant absolutely it's one of the few horror movies that actually makes me cry this and the sixth sense make me cry exactly and so i was just like i got i was like oh my god that was not what i was expecting like how dare you (laughs) how dare you you're supposed to show me bad horror films (laughs) she was so mad i think you get mad regardless of what i show you you're like troll 2 was so bad why'd you do it and you're like final girls was so good why'd you do it i just can't win oh you like it though so it's fine (laughs) whatever any, but it's it's just good. I like going down this path with you. It's fun. Thank you. And what is your score, by the way? For quality. Kind of just got into it. Quality is a five out of five, yeah. and I will tell you why. That's such a high. I don't even think I gave Halloween that score. I think I gave no. I, I feel did. like you must okay, have given a five out of five. Cool, good. I'm rating it this because first of all, the film was wonderful on a film sense, like yes. a film alone. Oh my god. It was just beautiful. The Final Girls is a stunning movie. Yeah. It's a fairy tale yeah like there's um when they're out in the forest there's all these brilliant lustrous flowers and there's this log just covered in bright colors it's dare i say fecund just nature is everywhere (laughs) and there's like little spores floating up in the light it it is a fairy tale and Mm -hmm. the camera work is gorgeous yeah and And the writing is amazing which we were talking about mm -hmm. and um the casting was great because everyone is hilarious and but still not in a fake sense we were talking about earlier um because you know we can never get to recording fast enough we're already talking about the film you know we were talking about tina tina has this character where she she just does crazy things like she's dressed in like a bikini and shorts yeah she's she's the slut character from the slasher exactly but she doesn't and we know that she's a joke because Mm -hmm. she's a slut character she's she's only being a trope Whereas we see other characters kind of step out of their tropes a little bit, etc. But she doesn't do it in a way that is cheesy or like unbelievable or annoying. Yeah, she she well, she could be and is very vile and babyish. Right. But it could have been played in such an annoying, stereotypical way. Right. And I don't know exactly how she does it, but she actually makes it one of the best characters in the movie. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So it's a five out of five. I definitely w- I would show anyone this film, like whether they've seen horror films or not. I would show them this film. I would definitely hope that they had they would have seen horror films just so that they can get like the that iconography. level, yeah, that level of it. Um, and I think it's very like I love this film in a very similar way that you love Scream, yeah. Um, which is really cool, and I dig it a lot. So That's great. I'm excited about it. And um, did you notice that there was a reference to pieces in this film? Oh, was it? No, was it the penis dropped in three different ways? Because I was thinking about no. that. <laughs> no, no, but that's a great scene. Um, Pieces is a, is a really cheesy Spanish horror film that I made Shannon watch in her freshman year. Um, but there's a line that Malin Ackerman says where she's like, oh, Tina says there's no better feeling in the world than getting stoned and doing it on a waterbed. And <laughs> that is a very cleaned up uh, paraphrase of a classic line from Pieces. There is one part that I wish... I wish was incorporated into the final scene where, you know, Duncan, ex- Duncan is explaining how the, the killer gets killed. And they're talking about like the final girl, like grabs the machete oh, yeah. with her foot and then like 
hits it in his head and then like hits down on the handle and the head explodes like okay the head exploding thing i would have loved to see but it, well, that wasn't didn't have to be in the movie and it definitely wasn't but i would have liked just the the foot thing like the oh like yeah the to kick up foot, the... yeah kicking the machete into your hand like that would be cool but anyway that's yeah. the, my one quip my i actually the reason i rated this movie four out of five is because i have a fairly major complaint that mm-hmm. doesn't affect my entertainment value but it, i feel like just kind of un- in- uh, inhibits the movie a little bit okay it's that because it's PG-13, mm-hmm. it can't directly engage with a lot of the slasher tropes that are there. Mm-hmm. Like it can't show boobs. It's not gory at all. So I feel like there's just this one like sparkling element that's kind of missing in terms of the slasher parody uh-huh. in this movie. It's a great film called Films. It's not the best slasher parody that I've seen mm-hmm. because it isn't able to engage with those kind of more hardcore elements. Right. And also, um, the final girl character, um, like the one that's supposed to be the final girl in the movie, her name is Paula, and she's this cool badass chick, and she's super sexy. And I'm like, there's no final girl that would be like that. Yeah. That's just not a trope, and I don't really understand why her character is in the movie at all. Yeah, it was a really weird. I will say that her character was very strange. Luckily, we didn't have to deal with her much. Yeah, I mean, she was exactly. only there for like three minutes, so who cares? Um, but yeah, but yeah, that was that was a very strange um, addition, I guess. But it, I mean, it was necessary to show that oh no the final girl's dead like what are we gonna do next yeah exactly but her her characters didn't match what i i mean i've seen a lot of final girls and it doesn't match anything that i've ever seen right it would have been different if it was like oh the lead camp counselor showed up and like it was like a just another another camp counselor but everyone knew that she was the leader and it was like kind of established that she was like etc yeah exactly so it's those those complaints are very very minor yeah. they're ones that prevent me from giving it a like five out of five perfect score but right. i still love this film right yes yes would you give scream a five out of five? Oh yeah okay cool scream is the movie that is the reason i'm here today right so i have a, a very strong attachment to that movie yeah let's move on to champion dialogue one of our favorite segments how about you start shannon Okay, so for Champion Dialogue, there was a ton of funny line readings, you know, but I just feel like there was this one line reading done by this character, Duncan, and Duncan is great. He is the Randy character, mm-hmm. um, and all of the stuff that he says is hilarious, especially when they get into the film, because immediately when they get into the film, he's the one to realize it, you know? because yeah, he's the movie theater he's the geek. film nerd, you know? And, and that's how it happens. It's another trope, is being like, there's a killer, and they're like, no it's fine and he's like no really like i've seen this before uh-huh. anyway so he just says a simple line and it's it, it's just like they're talking and this happens as part of him trying to convince people that they're in a movie we're not dead we're insane no we're not and i don't think we're in the valley anymore yeah i mean it's i don't think we're in kansas anymore like the classic film stuff and he's right. the film nerd right like it's it's funny exactly and they use the valley as such a valuable punchline all the time yeah they could talk about encino and like uh-huh. the valley oh no in the valley you can be anything you yeah. want to be <laughs> <laughs> it's like um it's like the salt lake city song from book of mormon where mm-hmm. the valley has taken on this kind of mythical appeal from people who just don't understand it at all yeah it's really funny yeah, what was yours? Uh, my favorite line is a line from Tina, actually the like the the, the slut character from the film Camp Bloodbath. Um, after they admit to all the characters that they're actually in a film, they put Tina in this life preserver vest and they put they tape oven mitts to her hands so she can't take off her clothes and summon the killer. And this is them explaining that to her. Stuff again. Because you're scripted to do a strip tease at the slumber party, and when you take your top off, Billy comes running. But why does he hate my boobs? Because they're not big. <laughs> she had so many great lines out there. Was there was a line? So when the credits are rolling, there's like bloopers, uh-huh. and she's like, "This is a telephone, a telephone that I can fit in my mouth," and just <laughs> yeah, and she proceeds put- to like put the iPhone like <laughs> like essentially deep throughout the. Oh yeah. Um, but but that particular line I just really like because well none of the well only one of the actual slasher people seems to be genuinely scared that they're not real like they're just fiction uh-huh. and I just love that reaction to the fact that like he wants to kill me because I'm promiscuous it's like nah they're just not big enough <laughs> right exactly and I think that's like that's a very genuine thing that her character would think and yeah. it's really funny yeah and that's 
that was another point that I really liked about like the writing is that they had the characters stay like they had to stay in character and continue yeah. being that character. So like even when um Kurt got in the car with Paula and they're like driving away from the killer, he's like, Ah, we gotta go. We should go find somewhere to yeah. have sex tonight. Like And Kurt is the the horny jock character played by Adam Devine from Workaholics and Pitch Perfect, and he is pitch perfect in this he film. Is, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh yeah, so so even that, like it's really it's another level of writing that they're saying yeah. like they're gonna stay in character no matter what. So yeah. It's great. Yeah. And Who- so who's your favorite character? So I'm lame. My favorite character <laughs> is Max. You like the protagonist grows. I know. Well, first of all, I love me some Tamisa Tamisa Formiga. I I just whatever. And <laughs> second of all, this is actually I feel like she's more dimensional than most of the characters that she usually plays. Um, by a little bit. I'm looking at his face already and I can tell, well, but I'm no, by I a mean, little bit. Well, I love American Horror Story Murder House, which right. is like the one thing I know her from. Oh, and Coven, which her character made just only, her oh, character yeah. was, I'm going to make the single worst decision in any scenario that I'm faced with. Right. So no, this is the best character she has played. Right. Yes. And, um, but a lot of her interact, like her interactions with her mom were, were so well done. Oh my God. And, the, the very first time when um, she meets her Nancy, her mom's character, uh-huh. and she's like, just starts crying, and Nancy's just like, oh, you're, this is the first time you've been away from home? Like, yeah, it sucks being like, away she, from your parents. She's already a it? camp counselor, and I, yeah. I died on the inside. You know, Shannon was like, what are you doing to me? Yeah, literally, I, oh, I don't handle sad very well. I just turn it into oh. mad, which is why <laughs> I'm constantly mad at Brennan. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. I'm glad this movie got something out of you. Right? Um, God, everyone must think I'm like horribly angry all the time. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> oh. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. No, it's okay. Don't um, get mad. <laughs> don't, get, don't get mad at me. Uh, no, but I love Max. Mm-hmm. I like her interactions with her mom. I, I was really concerned about Malin Ackerman being like playing her mom because um, I still think that Mal- Malin Ackerman like is, feels too young to be... Oh, you know what's crazy? What? Well, in the very first scene where Maylin Ackerman is actually playing mom age, mm-hmm. they have this awful wrinkle makeup on her. Like, it's some <laughs> of the worst makeup I've ever seen. Yeah. Maylin Ackerman is actually old enough to be Taisa Formiga's mom. Really? I looked it up. She's in her 40s. Okay. That woman is ageless. I think she's a vampire. Like, they had to put makeup on her to make her look her own damn age. And that makes me very, <laughs> very upset. Yeah, and I mean, I understand it plays into the story because um, Melanie Ackerman, well, her character, Amanda, would have had Taisa Formiga young. Like, yes. would have had her when she was probably late late teens, early 20s. So, you know, that age difference is fine. But, like, when they're playing, when Taisa is playing in the movie, like, as Max with Nancy, it's mm. just very weird because... Uh-huh. Because, yes, it is her mom, but also they're, like, best friends, which and I know the they, same they age. were in the same... Yeah, they were in the real life. And at this point, they are the same age because it's back in the movie, which was 20 years prior. Uh-huh. The whole deal. So, uh, you know, that was that was a little strange. But I loved Max. I love Max and, and her mom together. Um, I also love her with all the other characters and how she played grief and also how she still had all those emotions and and it was still funny yeah and she just seemed so conflicted but in different ways like she did this acting where i could look at her and be like oh she's conflicted because of this and like oh now she's conflicted because of that and like it's a different reason and you could see it in difference in there's like a facial difference i guess Mm -hmm. so i i I just wanted to say at the end of this um i like how the two best films of the year are mad max and sad max (laughs) oh Brennan. Anyway. Go home. Oh, wait. You are. Okay. My favorite character is Duncan, played by Thomas Middleditch of Silicon Valley. Because he's the, he's the me character that is in all of these types of films. Like, he's the Randy, Jamie Kennedy from Scream. He's, he's the one who's aware of what's going on and super into the slasher films. And I can always relate to those guys. And he works at a movie theater, and I just got a job at a movie theater. So I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. we, can, we can be friends. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it. And he's white and wears slasher movie t-shirts and is scruffy. Just like you. Yay. <laughs> favorite scene. What's your favorite scene? Uh, So my favorite scene is actually the introduction to like pretty much my worst favorite character, least favorite character other than Paula. Paula is horrible. So we're Paula's really just kind of nothing. Paula. Yeah. Um. Uh. But so Nina Dobrev. From I'm, the classic masterpiece Vampire Diaries. Yeah. I really dislike her as an actress in general. Because I, I don't know. I just don't feel it. 
you know like i remember her on degrassi didn't feel it then don't feel it now whatever but her character (laughs) gets introduced when they're at the theater and she like starts off by like essentially saying that she commandeered this man's car in a form of a date she showed up because she knew that her ex-boyfriend is trying to get with Max. Right. And they're both at the theater together. Right. And her ex-boyfriend is played by Alexander Ludwig, who played Cato in The Hunger Games, and he's very attractive. Yes. And so anyway, she shows up, and she's like, I definitely didn't follow your Twitter. By the way, you, you lost three uh, three followers today. And shows up and then is like, oh, I'm I'm talking about my backup schools, which is like Brown and Cornell. Yeah. And thank God for Adderall. And like, it's doing, really funny. It's great. Like, she's just like naming off all these crazy things that you're just like, how are you real? You're not real. Uh, and then you also find out later that Max and Nina Dobrev have like a um, Regina George uh, uh, Katie Heron. No, no, Janice Ian. Like Regina George. Oh, yes, sir. Um, uh, Janice Ian, where, where Nina Dobrev, who is this, like, you know, the hot one, the hot, smart, has everything Barbie doll, mm-hmm. um, used to be best friends with the now grieving weird one, which is the Janice Ian character, which is Max, um, and that they missed each other. And it oh. was so sad. Um, but yeah, so that entire intro where she's just like uber monster like horrible but also just so funny is great and especially now that it's finals week i feel like those people are all over campus right now yeah yeah i am concerned for (laughs) for my generation's um love of focus drugs really really sad (laughs) that's a different podcast yeah all right my favorite scene is the ending battle finale scene for two reasons First of all, it's the first sentimental striptease I've ever seen in movie history. Yeah. Um, because, well, Max and her mother have ha- have this song that's like their song that they always dance to. And it's Betty Davis Eyes, which is one of the best songs in the entire world. Um, but Nancy realizes that she has to sacrifice herself to the killer in order to save Max's life. So she goes out and she does this striptease dance to like call the killer to her because he's attracted to boobs. Well, like literally like a magnet, not like... Ooh, yeah popping out eye cartoon eyes but um it's more of like a revenge way like yeah oh, exactly they're having sex i'm gonna kill them because they're camp counselors and it's that's the, what camp counselors do exactly <laughs> you weren't paying any attention they let him drown anyway um killer mommy killer so it's this gorgeous scene where she walks out into this storm and it's this it's the widest wide shot this side of Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. And it's this enormous purple storm in the background. And it's gorgeous and ethereal. And it's that fairy tale quality where it's like, this isn't real. It's a film. It's so bold and strong. And just aesthetically, I think my mind exploded. Like, it's a gorgeous scene. And then Betty Davis eyes comes on. And I'm already about to start crying. And then she's like dancing and taking off her shirt well while like locking eyes with her daughter yeah and being like i'm doing this for you which again one of those things where there's such a weird tonal balance in this movie that shouldn't work but it does yeah it's like in a, if 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 the director like screwed up one millimeter either way this would be the weirdest scene i've ever seen yeah it would be horrible <laughs> yeah it'd be like this is kind of gross and it feels more like arrested development or like something disgusting right but I mean, I love Arrested Development, but like just incesty and weird. Right. But it's incredible mm-hmm. and just it's gorgeous. And then there's a battle, which is a l- not as cool as it promised. Yeah. But it's beautiful. And I just really love that scene. Yeah. It is a really it is a really cool fight scene, though, because, um, you know, Thaisa, Mi- Th- Thaisa Formiga goes dead in the eyes and grabs the machete and yeah. just you know, wax them to death and it's actually like they're holding their own and it's great. Cause usually for horror films, it's like the final girl tries to kill. And then like, he just like brutally like brutish will be like, Murr, and then they have to run away and like reset up for a kill, mm-hmm. try again, then run away. But this is just kind of like, they were actually like fencing kind of. Yeah. That's um, cool. But yeah, good, good scene. And I would like to dip into a quick discussion um, just because it's the final girls, I want to discuss our top three final girls in slasher movies. Just ones that we think are cool and also kick ass, just like Max. Yes. So what is your number three? Let's just bounce back and forth. Okay. So uh, my number three is Erin from your next. Uh, she... Well, 
Yeah, she's, oh my God. Yeah, she's great. And she's Australian. And there's like, I think they only talk about it once in the movie, but there's like this brief um, line where it's like, I grew up on a survivalist camp. Uh-huh. Like, no big deal. Let's just slide that in there. And then she's just like, so badass. Like, knows what to do, knows mm-hmm. how to handle herself. Uh, like, injures her leg and then jumps through a window. Like, it's great. That that movie is like 90% Final Girl sequence, and it's all incredible. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and my number three is Deborah Balin from Visiting Hours, because okay. I just think she's really cool. Like, she's a pacifist. She's against violence against women. Mm-hmm. And she's eventually, like, she goes through an actual character arc, which isn't super common in a slasher film, where she has to actually engage in violence to save herself. And I was like, this is kind of intense, and I really like it. Yeah. And so what's your number two? My number two is Ripley from Alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, because Gourney Weaver is like a beautiful human being and so badass and like tall and strangely proportional. It's r- really great. Um, but, you know, there's a real uh, thing with isolation and a lot of, you know, final girls are de- deal, with, deal with it. But, but Ripley kind of deals with it from the very beginning. And mm-hmm. so she just has to like really buckle down and have that survivalist instinct for a long period of time instead of that like f- like mini rush of adrenaline that a lot of final girls have uh-huh. uh which i think is really awesome so that's why cool uh, and my number two is tina shepherd from friday the 13th part seven and <laughs> all i need to know is that she has telekinetic powers okay she's crazy it's carrie versus jason and it's fun and her actual character is kind of wimpy and like wet towely, but mm. just her battle with Jason is one of the coolest slasher scenes ever put to film. Like she's throwing lamps at him with her mind. It's great. <laughs> it's, she's, she's really fun. Awesome. Uh, okay. So my number one surprise, surprise is from my uh, number one favorite slasher movie, uh, which is Halloween. So it's Laurie Strode, you know, played by the scream queen herself. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, and Lori is great because she is very, she, she's very much the innocent. She's very much the virgin, you know, et cetera, has the, the kind of the, has issues with men, like a lot of final girls do, et cetera. But again, her kind of maternal instincts kicked in, kick in around, um, saving these kids and also defending herself against the psycho, like literally the face of evil. And, uh, she does, she does some really great, great things, knitting needles, you know, and, and machetes and the whole deal. Knives. I mean, not machetes. Knives. Yeah. Not not so much with the machetes. I've got machetes on the brain. That's fine. Um, and my number one is Alice Johnson, played by Lisa Wilcox in Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5. She She's the dream master of the title of part four. And basically, when all of her friends die, she kind of collects all of their powers into her. And there's this really cool arc about her self-actualization as a person and realizing that um, she's finding identity in spite of her friends dying. And I think that's really cool. And she kicks so much butt. And in part five, that movie's the worst. So mm-hmm. it's sad that she had to be in it. But she, she survived Freddy Krueger twice. And there's not a lot of people who can say that. Yeah. I'm surprised that we both didn't talk about Alice from Friday the 13th. Is that her name? Yeah. I as She's not one of my favorite final girls. Yeah, like, mine She's either. not super effective. But I just thought it was funny because Camp Bloodbath is Friday the 13th. Yeah, exactly. You know, like it totally is pretty much down to the T. And so she's obviously a very important final girl, especially to this movie. Okay, um, I gotcha. But yeah, so I just wanted to throw her in there real quick. Not Love our fire, not our favorite, but an important one. Yeah, and a couple of runner-ups I will throw out really fast. Okay. Um, the lady from He Knows You're Alone. It's kind of this weird quasi-feminist one that has Tom Hanks in it. Okay. And so I love that. She's a fiancé lady mm-hmm. um, who's doubting her husband and trying to figure out what's going on. Right. Um, Eyes of a Stranger, which is one of the like it's kind of a grindhouse holdover that's like kind of rapey but doesn't show anything Mm because at first i was like oh i don't i don't like these ones because there's some especially in the early 80s there's like just very grim grimy rapey ones i'm like no these suck yeah but this one like it cuts away from all the rape like it's still there so that's uncomfortable but it's actually a really cool tense film and um there's two final girls one of them is a reporter who's like chasing down the killer like hell Mm -hmm. and her little sister who is a deaf mute and blind Mm-hmm. And so they kick a lot of ass and it's really cool. Cool. And then the slumber party massacre because there's like three final girls because it's like a feminist quasi parody and that's fun. Yeah. And I love um, the final girls from Katie from uh, The House and Story Row. And oh, then yeah. I think her name is Max from um, Sorority Row. Those were both great. Oh, yeah. yeah so, yeah. yeah. Nice. All right. We're done. 
with that part. Let's hop into the games. The games. Woo. Okay. Um, the very first game we're playing is a f one that is a classic. We're going to play Boff, Mary Kill. Oh, boy. These are people that are actually, like, still alive and 20 years hasn't passed, so it's not inappropriate for us to say that these are Boff, uh, Mary Killable. Sure. If, if that's... I, I don't know. And they're actually all nice people, mostly, so that's nice. Um, all right. Boff, Mary Kill. Duncan, the film nerd. Um, Alexander Ludwig. I forgot his character's name. Chris? Um, the guy that was trying to bang Max. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, whatever. And um, Kurt, who's Adam Devine, the jock guy character. Okay. You go first. Okay. Um, well, I think it's kind of obvious I would kind of have to marry Duncan because we could watch slasher movies every night and no right. one would complain. And um, I would super bang Alexander Ludwig because I, I hunger for his games. <laughs> and <laughs> I'd, kill, I'd kill Kurt just because he's obnoxious. Oh, you're you, I swear. Okay. He, he makes my loins catch fire. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so, um, let's see. I would also kill Adam Devine. Yeah, I shouldn't even um, have put him in there. <laughs> yeah, you should put Tyson in there. <laughs> that random oh, yeah, guy the guy who car. drove Nina Dobrev yeah. to the theater and then yeah. got real sick real fast. Yeah, or New Wave guy. Um, yeah, no, so, so Kurt is out of the picture. Uh, and then Mary Duncan, obviously. Yeah. You know, he's just uh, sweet and funny and, you know, great and good good taste in movies. And he's got a job. Always a good thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I guess I would boff uh, the Hunger Games guy. You know, he's cute enough, I guess. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, all right. The female round. Uh, boff, Mary kill Nancy, Malin Ackerman's character. Okay. Uh, Max or okay. Alia Shawkat, who I her she's just Alia Shawkat. Like I don't know her Gertie. character's name. Gertie. Oh yeah, that's a Gertie. cool name, but yeah. she's Alia Shawkat. Come yeah, on. she's Alia Shawkat. Good. Okay, so I'm gonna go first. Um, let's see. I I would kill Malin Ackerman because she's like too sincere for me. <laughs> that's a real deal. You get um, angry. <laughs> oh no. Uh, I would I would marry um, uh, Max, and I would totally get down with Aaliyah Shawkat because we would have a party. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Your hair would get everywhere. Oh, God. So curly. So curly. All right. Um, I would also kill Nancy, which I don't really want to, but right. if I boffed her, I would get killed by the killer because you have sexy die. Okay. And I would... Mary uh, Aaliyah Shawkat because Good. she's Good just choice. so fun. Good and choice. She's cool and she makes pins at prison camp conventions. Yeah. <laughs> that was obviously improv, right? Yeah. Something weird. <laughs> something happened there. And a taste for me good. Whatever the third thing. I'd buffer. Like, whatever. We'll have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I love how I love how oddly um, progressive this movie is, too. Like, where he's like, well, my, my dad's okay. Uh -huh. Like, you know? And then the other thing where they're like, isn't he autistic? And she's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're like, all right. <laughs> uh, which is kind of, I said both of those things completely out of context. So yeah, people are well, going to be confused. But uh, watch the movie. These things happen. Yeah, you really should watch them. Yeah, really we, we actually, movie. we should leave a couple like dangling things out there to just entice to. them just yeah. to watch the movie. Well, there you go. Couple for the, for the crowd. <laughs> What's our second game? Our second game. Well, we played a game previously. I don't remember on which episode. Um, we played a game called Cast the Remake where we watch an 80s film that never got a remake, so we decided who would play those characters in today's world. I think it was Visiting Hours. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. So we're actually going to go the opposite direction, and this is cast the original. So we're taking the Camp Bloodbath characters and deciding who actually, like, from the 80s would play them. Yes. And so the very first character is Paula, the weird, cool final girl lady. Who do you think would play her? And then we decide who's the best from what we have. Oh, Okay. Okay, because that's what we did for for visiting, visiting hours. Yeah, there's so, no points involved, but I think... Yeah, who cares? Uh, yeah. What's it's the a point? Discussion. There isn't any. Um, to think peace. <laughs> so for Paula, which we both agreed is like pretty much our least favorite character. She's yes. kind of horrible. Uh, but I think that she'd be done really well if she was played by Stephanie Hodge. Um, <laughs> as as of, would any as character. Right. <laughs> she could play anyone. It'd be great. Um, she could play the cat from Stage Fright Aquarius. Um <laughs> But yeah, so so if the bad Lucifer. girl, if the bad girl was played um, by Mona, as Mona, be great. 
She just needs to be in every film, yeah. I think is what I'm hearing. The Mona Factor. Okay. And my casting for that particular role is, I don't, I think the actress's name is Roz Kelly, but she played Blaze in New Year's Evil. She's the radio host of this weird, like, new wave rock show. And this is what she looks like. I'm showing Shannon a picture oh my right God. now. She's like this crazy yes, rock star. please. I'll post it on our Facebook page so you can all good. see what I'm talking about. But she's so alt and strange. And I think she'd be really good in that kind of pointless role. Great. So, okay. Blaze or Mona. I'm going to have to just agree that Mona is the best choice for any part. Right. She could play Mona. Kurt. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, my God. Mona as Kurt would be the funniest thing. <laughs> oh, my God. I would pay a lot of money to see that. We'll figure it out. We can we can remake this in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, all right. Who do you think should play Nancy, Malin Ackerman's character? So uh, I think Sigourney Weaver should play that point. Other than the fact that Sigourney Weaver is like going to be eight feet taller than everyone else. Because mm-hmm. um, originally I thought that we were casting for like the original and the characters who are playing in the final girls. And so I was like, Sigourney Weaver as the mom of Jamie Lee Curtis oh. would be really weird. But also kind of had to have the same effect that it it it, um it had in this film uh but yeah i think sigourney weaver would be would be fine all right because the motherly thing that she had with newt like it makes sense yeah yeah and i would cast going back to i madman again i would cast jenny wright as her just because i think she's luminous and blonde and beautiful oh my god (laughs) and whatever we both picked people who had weird jaws so apparently we think that the mom should have a weird jaw that's true um I can't force your opinion, but I, I think no. I think I think your yours is a better choice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I think so. Let's. Well, we don't even have to talk about it. Yeah, because like I love Sigourney Weaver, but I don't see her in that role. But yeah. I understand why you chose her. But yeah. I, it doesn't. I don't feel it. Yeah. I I feel like Sigourney Weaver could play that character if she wanted to. She could play any character yeah. if she wanted to. Um. But yeah, you definitely need the blonde. You need a blonde mm-hmm. character. All right. And who should play Kurt Adam Devine's horny jock? Okay, so I think that George Clooney should play Kurt, <laughs> but the George Clooney, not from... From Dust Till Dawn. From, not from From Dust Till Dawn. You don't want that tattoo all up on him? <laughs> no, but I mean, just the character-wise. Um, But the character from... Return the, to Return Horror to Horror High. High. Thank you. From Return to Horror High, where he just is like... He's like, I got better things to do, where he's yeah. like all full of himself. Like the cocky like, hey, leading man Yeah, guy. exactly, which is exactly what Kurt is, so... Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I got one that's going to blow everything out of the water. Are you oh ready? TP from Mad Men. I was considering that. Right? Because yeah. he has that big belt buckle that says TP. He and does. the hot tub sex scene. Like, I feel like he's perfect. He's got the, the pipes, too, you know, for singing. Yeah, he can sing. Yeah, I mean, Adam Devine can sing. He was in two Pitch Perfect movies. Yeah, and he was singing in this film. He's like, Michael, row your boat. I yeah. show. That was one of the funnier parts, too. Yeah. <laughs> His voice is so deep. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'll do TP. That's fine. All right. Yeah. And our final casting choice, Tina the Slut, is actually one that we both immediately agreed upon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from a great film, from the House on Sorority Row. Uh, if if you s- listen to that episode, you will know that it is uh from Brandon's Champion Dialogue as well. How do we know she is alive? <laughs> Yeah. That's a Jody Draghi's character whose name I can't remember right now. But I don't even think she had a name. Who I cares? don't think she existed. She was there to Be act hot. poorly. And she just had take a dress her top off. That went all the way down to her butt crack that we don't know was there. And they probably just make up her butt crack out so it could yeah. so the dress could go further. Um but yeah. <laughs> she's perfect for that role because she's like totally empty except for the drive to just show her boobs. Yeah, that's exact I mean they're essentially the same character. And I would love to just see that same woman who played what was the name? Jody Dresky? Jody Draggy. Jody Draggy. I would love to see her have to like go through all the trials and tribulations that Tina does, like with the with the trying to take her top off yeah, with the oven then, mitts. And then the Adderall deal. There oh was, man! The oh Adderall yeah! Because she ends up on so Adderall. So good. Oh, it's great. Um, yeah, it was so good. Where she's just like freaking out, you know. And you thought that she was, she was, um, <laughs> you thought that she was kind of off the wall before, and all oh, of a sudden man. she's on Adderall. Woo, I know. Big. I was actually really hoping that it was gonna calm her down. Like I was really hoping <laughs> that it would just like make her be like the most like reserved person. You know, and, and then have that's to deal never with, gonna happen. Well, yeah, but then they would have to deal with like, hey, could you take your clothes off? And she'd be like, I don't feel like it anymore. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, but yeah, Jody Drag, 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 Dragon, Dragon, Judy Dragon, 
Judy Dragon. Okay, so Yay, we're in wins. the uh, closing stretch. Yes. What film would you recommend to people who agree with you about this film? I would recommend Friday the 13th because there's an additional level. This this film is like an onion. Lots of levels of, <laughs> of understanding. But if you have seen Friday the 13th and you see how kind of ridiculous that movie is, uh, then you will especially appreciate The Final Girls um, because of it is it is Friday the 13th. Yeah. But with so much more. Cool. And I would recommend Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, which is another, uh, well, it's a mid-2000s like slasher satire. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. It's like, it's actually a mockumentary film. Like it's it's found footage style, but it like is a mockumentary. It's people filming a documentary about this um, aspiring slasher villain and what he does to like set up for how he's going to kill all these people. And then it goes into the story of like, can we condone this but it's also really funny like you gotta do a lot of cardio if you want to do that thing where you're walking and you're still like catching up to the people who are running like crazy (laughs) it's a really funny film with a great leading performance and it's very cool and you should check it out awesome that's great all right uh clue time we actually matt guessed this correct he did so much work to guess last week's clue correct because it was a bit difficult because it's a movie that I'm sure no one has ever heard of. <laughs> um, but the film that Shannon chose because she won the games in the Stage Fright Aquarius episode is a little-known Ellen Page Canadian TV movie called Ghost Cat, a.k.a. <laughs> Mrs. Ashborough's Cat, a.k.a. The Cat That Came Back. And we're going to go into a deep discussion about those titles um, in next week. Oh man, yeah, next look, week we're going to have to, to watch that. that movie. Oh my God. It's going to be great. I'm so excited about it. Well, actually, uh, for, it'll be a good opportunity to have me get mad at you for something. Yay. Yeah, <gasps> we did discover that there is one other film that I have seen that you have not that we can watch as well. Oh yeah. Which, which we one? will have to do at one point. Okay, yeah, yeah. we'll talk about it. Yeah. <gasps> um, but yeah, that's the film we're doing next week. And the clue for our episode two weeks from now is the following. Our next film is a slasher classic with another memorable final girl. This one is pregnant, and that's not even the worst present waiting under the tree this Christmas. Uh. Uh, and if you want to guess what film we'll be doing in two weeks, or if you want to share any thoughts on Ghost Cat, probably don't watch Ghost Cat. But if you want to ask us questions about Ghost Cat or poke us, um, give us any comments to share on the podcast, you can contact us on Twitter at Scream101Pod, on Facebook at Scream101Podcast, via email at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review us. Give us five stars like Shannon gave this movie, which is one of the first times. Yay! I think this might be, well, besides Halloween, the first time you actually liked a movie more than I did. Which Probably. is fantastic. And I'm so glad you loved it because I love this movie too. Yeah, it's so good. I, and I'm also, so, I'm also glad, I know that we pushed this off for our viewers because we had a tough week once. But I'm glad that we saved it for finals week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It that was, may or may not have affected my score. It's a nice stress reliever. It's great. All right. That's the closing of our podcast. Also, um, about contact. If you want to just give us um, any ideas for films you want us to watch or any feedback, like what's your favorite segment? Essentially, we're lonely. Contact us. Yeah. Well, the thing is, um, we don't know who's listening. iTunes won't tell us. Mm-hmm. So the only way for us to find out if people are listening to us is if you actually reach out and contact us. And I know that's really tough. I know that like, Oh, I'm just little old me. They don't want to hear from me. Like we super want to hear from you. We're going to get an email just being like, I'm listening period. Just no, from, from no one from just, like a little I'm skull listening. face. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but yeah, we totally love your feedback. If there's something that really annoys you about the show, something that you really love about the show, we want to know, like we want to grow. We want to, keep doing this show and we want to get better and better so we want to hear what you guys think about it yeah so yeah follow those things and thank you so much for listening please tell me we're being played out by betty davis eyes and we'll be playing you out with betty davis eyes by kim carnes Twice. She 
she's pure as New York snow. She got Betty Davis eyes, and she tease you, she'll unease you. Yay! All right, uh, bye bye. Should we? Should I feel like I always want to put some stuff at the end, like your dad wanted, because that's like the one piece of feedback we had. But I never think of anything at the moment. We'll just put that in. Okay. Bye. Bye.